I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. Justin Dillard propels the Hammond organ into the 21st century with his trio and as a sought-after sideman. Building on the legacies of the legends who came before him, including the recently departed Dr. Lonnie Smith, Justin Dillard continues to grow into the role of jazz organ elder statesman. Justin Dillard, thank you so much for being on the show today. It is my pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Same here. Pleasure to be talked to. <laughs> so you call the your trio's music get down music. Correct. It's pretty self-explanatory to most people, I would think, but give us your description of what, what that means. Uh well, I mean, this music has always been dance music, you know, back to jazz the, the origins of jazz and even blues and gospel, you know, every music that has been created, at least in America. Um, you know, not to speak of the world, but just the direct lineage of my music and my group has always been dance music. You know, you you dance in church, you know, when the music gets going, you dance at the club, you know, the blues, you know, R&B places, you, you pick a gal to dance and the jazz places you would dance. So, you know, if you're getting down, you know, that's usually when people are, are dancing. And um, it kind of came to me because children are always my gauge. Uh, for if we're doing well or not, because that's the most primal, you know, part of us, you know, the most vulnerable and innocent. But yeah, that's pretty much the gauge I had. Uh, it's just, you know, kids dancing is our, our gauge to whether or not we're getting down or not. So that's a pretty good indication. Cool. So the regular members of the DOT are Vinnie Roof on guitar and Samuel Jewell on drums. Mm -hmm. In Madison, you're bringing uh, Isaiah Collier on saxophone and Marcus Evans on drums. Do you tailor the show, the set, to the strengths of the players? How, how would things change, like saxophone versus guitar and stuff, and the strengths of the different players? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, you have to. I mean, nothing in life is absolute. So, you know, you always have to change and adapt based on who's there and the personalities present. Um, the guys I have, uh, have some experience with the electronics as well as percussion and stuff like that, which is the, uh, foundation for the music and stuff like that. So I like to start, you know, somewhere acoustically with percussion and then graduate as the music has to some sort of electronic involvement. So these guys have some, at least bass sentiment, uh, association with these things. So I picked these people based on that. Uh, the dot is uh, is a reimagining of the original idea of the organ trio, which I wish I could say was a uh, was a continuation of what Dr. Lonnie did because he was the most modern version. And I'll show you to the ancestors. We just lost him a couple of days ago, uh, and it, it hit the Hammond family hard. So we're still kind of mourning that. But my basis for my organ trio was Dr. Lonnie. So um, having um, having done that, I always like to say that between me and him, we have the most modern groups because my group, uh, the dot is not. We don't do anything traditional in the in the idea of the or original organ trio. And and Dr. Lonnie has taken the original idea of the organ trio and has gone and has gone in a completely different direction with it, which nobody else is touching. He was doing stuff with synthesizers. I mean, it sounded like a film score, 
you know, towards the end of his career, he was incorporating so many things and he was just an awesome, excuse me, an awesome player. Uh, with these three guys, we haven't played together before in this in this particular format, but um, I'm expecting great things from these guys because um, they're great musicians. And there's also a mysticism that comes with playing with guys that you've played with before in different capacities, but not necessarily in a particular capacity. So with us playing in this trio context, um, which is essentially me on key bass and other instruments on the, in the right hand and then drums. Uh, he's got an MPC and some other stuff. Isaiah's got his saxophones and some other electronic stuff. So coming into that, which you don't usually see often, you usually hear organ in, in that capacity, but a lot of people don't play key bass and other instruments. So it kind of gives it a different texture and the sound is definitely going to be different and not what you're usually used to hearing uh, especially since I've, thanks to Dr. Lani and, and Junius Paul, who put me on Stevie Wonder's left hand and who put me on the James Jamerson, obviously. You know, I have a, I would say better than most left hand <laughs> if, I, if I'm yeah. able to be a, a tad bit boastful. Um, you know, I always, I have three bases, electric bases at home. So, you know, I, I've always gotten the compliment that I sound like a real bass player. And that's because I do my best to study bass. I'm not very good, particularly on bass, but I at least play things that um, would sound like what a bass player would play. And with Junior sitting to my, to my side all these years, I know exactly how the bass should be played and listening to a, a bunch of great bass players you know, that's going to set us apart sound-wise from all the other groups. It's, it's exciting, totally exciting I mean, to play with new people and, and, and also people that you trust at the same time. You play organ, you play piano, you play synth. I guess, can we assume that the organ is your favorite among those? And then um, does playing a variety of instruments keep it fresh for you? I mean, you talked about key bass and things like that, so you're clearly keeping it fresh. It, it has become my favorite. I love the piano, and I think the departure, I mean, the, most of the calls I get right now are usually organ, but it's kind of balancing out, actually. Started on piano, uh, I migrated to organ because all the great bass players in this city are always working, so I was never able to get a, a good bass player, and I refused to go down to the B and C list players. Yeah. I said, I figured I can do this, you know, if I, you know, I can... I know what it should sound like, so I at least could practice. So I, I did that, got pretty good. And um, so that's what I've kind of grown to love. I mean, I think it's a control thing, too, because being a piano player, we're naturally leaders of the group unofficially or officially, depending on um, the level of that piano player. But generally, just from a group context, the piano player is usually we've got the entire spectrum of what's going on in front of us. So we've got the bass, we've got the the high for the melody or the, you know, then we've got the accompaniment also. So we can do all that. We're one of the only instruments that can do that simultaneously ourselves. Guitar players play at it, but they can't really get it. That's <laughs> no shade to guitar players. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, you know, we're natural leaders. So it, it, you know, it was no surprise that I was able to, you know, take that upon myself and say, hey, let me take control of the situation. So now when I play with bass players, it's usually some of the best cats in the city or at least they they're solid enough with a good drummer for me to make the group happen or accompany whoever i'm happen to be playing with and i'm very i've the older i get the more particular i am about who i play with um 
And that's just, you know, a comfort thing as you get older. You just want things to be comfortable and you want to, you know, be around the people you want to be around and not have to work as hard. And, you know, just you just you're just focused on comfort. You know, it's I want the gig to be as easy as possible. I don't want to have to teach or to side eye somebody because they're doing, you know, all the cats that I'm playing with now, I trust and I'm comfortable with them, you know, and that the more comfortable you are, the better the music sounds. I mean, everybody always plays better at home, you know, or in rehearsal better than they do, you know, because you're just, you're not worried about making mistakes. You're in rehearsal, like who cares? So you're willing to, you know, stretch a little bit harder uh, and, and go places and stuff like that. So I've always had to, the mindset is the more comfortable you are, man, the 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 better the music is going to sound. You know, that makes me scared to how good the Coltrane quartets or any of the good groups that we used to hear. It's like, if you could have heard some of those rehearsals, man, I'm sure <laughs> they would, you know. Uh, and I do play a bunch of instruments um, outside of, of the keys. I've got pretty much every percussion instrument you can imagine or have bought and played them and I'm currently in the process of figuring out which percussion instruments are for me and my voice. So right now I have congas uh, gifted to me from my uh, mentor, uh, Greg Carmouche, who passed away uh, in the last couple of years. Um, I've got bongos. I've got uh, I've had a dolak, which I gave away. I've got um, uh, bongos. Jeez, uh, what do I have in the house? I mean, it's freaking everything in djembe. I've got a hand drum. I just bought a, a tambora, which is a Brazilian instrument that they play in Brazil. I've got just bought a cajon. Um, I've just got all type of stuff. I've got plenty of like small percussion instruments and stuff like we've been having with Junius and I and uh, and Corey Wilkes. We just kind of having like a percussion race to see who can have the most out or weird, you know, percussion instruments and stuff like that. And then just playing all those instruments give you a different sonic ideology of how you approach the music. So you can, McCoy Tyner is obviously my, my greatest piano influence. So um, we just lost him a couple years ago as well. Um, so, you know, his percussive style is what I gear towards. So that's piano instrument is a percussion and a string instrument. So we have the lyrical property of the string instruments, and then we have the percussion property of the hammers in the in the piano so that's what i'm dealing with is balancing those two so you have to have and of course the foundation of drums in general is what all music is based off of is the drum and the voice and the voice is basically you know the strings and the percussion is the hand stuff that we deal with so that's what you see and usually the primitive um the primitive beginnings of most music is is usually the drum and some sort of vocal capacity um so that's what we do. So I, I focus on the percussion stuff and the vocal stuff lends itself to all the other parts of the music. So it's, it takes me into places that I'm uncomfortable with, which I'm, I'm starting to be comfortable with. If that <laughs> makes any, any sense, yeah. I'm, I'm getting comfortable with getting uncomfortable. And that is the faster you can get to that in life, the, the easier stuff will be. And I'm starting to sit in, you know, music a little bit more being uncomfortable. So the goal for you with, you know, getting into all these percussion instruments and things like that, it's not necessarily to to like gig on them, but it, it, but working with them informs your playing on your keyboard instrument. Right. I mean, is that kind yeah. Of yeah. where it, you're headed with that? It helps my understanding um, of um, the music 
and it also gives me a glimpse into another side of the of the music, a different uh, perspective. So a lot of musicians don't understand how hard it is to play drums and to and to play with taste. And it's not just playing time and just do, do, got to do, do, got to. It's like, how do I make that feel good and be that simple? Because a lot of drummers aren't able to appreciate that. A lot of people who are actual drummers, um, they get bored and do, do, got to. And they're just looking around. And it's like there's a beauty in do, do, got to. And that's not to say that uh, either side of that spectrum, you know, busy or is not valid. But you have to understand how that's important. And um, a lot of people don't play other instruments. So it's, um, I've, I play bass, you know, play at bass. You know, that's the aspect of the music that people don't get is, okay, now I understand what it feels like to be a bass player and have to listen to the keyboard player. So it's almost like listening outside of yourself. And then I play drums and percussion. And that's a whole nother thing too, is when to do that. There's a language within that as well. There's a language in bass playing. There's a language in being a front man as a trumpeter or a guitarist. And, and uh, played trumpet in, in, in college and in high school. Uh, started on clarinet, played viola. Uh, went to Farrington uh, uh, College of Music so uh, as a music education major. So I got to play all these different instruments and understood what it was like to, oh, be outside of just playing keys and what that relationship you know feels like. Um, so being able to play those, it just opens my world up to, you know, I, I understand how to call tunes, how long to solo. You know, if you've never played a, a tune on bass that's high energy and doom, 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 you have no idea how much effort it takes to play that and not drop that time or lose that. Same thing with the drummer, you know, and people, a lot of horn players and piano players are just playing all these choruses with no respect to how much, even the professionals, they have no respect to how much effort it takes in order to sustain that. You know, and if you're going to take a bunch of courses, you know, have respect for what they're doing and make sure what you're saying is valid. Don't search um, without respect to that. You know, there's a lot of people just they'll just play those courses, man. And it's like you're not playing anything and you're wasting the time and effort that the drums and bass and keyboards, but not to the extent of drum and bass. Um, are doing to keep that thing going. And even if it's a groove that's, that's not high energy, even if it's the, you know, even if you're doing something like that, you know, the time and energy it takes to keep that going. It's, you know, you, you're feeling the music, but it's still, you know, energy you're expounding, you know. So um, playing all that stuff helps. It just helps me be a little bit more sensitive to everything. So, yeah, that's kind of where that is. That's a really cool perspective. Um, I was thinking, like, you can tell how hard the bass player is working usually by the beads of sweat <laughs> coming down off the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do they need to change their shirt between sets or? Yeah, then, are they good to go? Usually it's the drummers, but if there's a, any of those instruments, if you're doing the real work, you, you're going to sweat because it's so mental. And that's part of the thing that people don't get with musicians. We're having fun and stuff like that, but it's work. We make it look easy, but it is it is work, you know, and you you really got to know what you're doing. I mean, I, I I hung out yesterday and I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a young man anymore, but I'm still young. But I hung out after a gig and the gig kind of wiped me out because it took so much effort and energy um, that I was just tired. 
and I, you know, didn't get a good rest that day or didn't sleep as long as I should have. And, you know, I just trugged along and I got to the hang, you know, just grabbing some drinks, grabbing some food. And I've fallen asleep at the hang. And they were like, man, you sure you're good to get home? And I was like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. enough energy to get home. But it was just, <laughs> it, you know, they don't know how much energy it takes to to play this music. And, you know, like, oh, you're only working one or two hours or two sets or something like that. But, you know, it's continuous. It's it's not like, you know, at a job where you, you know, you're doing certain things and you get a, you know, get a little lunch break or something like that. We, you know, our sets aren't, con- your sets aren't continuous. Like we have to do them. You know, they're a little bit stretched out and they're not as strenuous. Um, and your job doesn't require updating as often as our job does. A new song comes out or you want a different style or you want them to play this or, you know, they're like, hey, can you play this song for us? You know, it's our something, something anniversary. And like, you know, we don't really know. And then like, here's a hundred bucks. And they're like, ah, good grief. You know, now you got to go learn an entire song that you have no idea how it sounds. and Everybody else has got to learn. You know, you never get that on anybody else's job. And then they want you to play it perfect, how they remember it in their head. It's like, you know, what job do you know that has to do that on the on the fly like that and come out perfect outside of like something like maybe unexpected that's not fun like surgery like you get somebody with a blood clot or something you gotta think fast it's a little bit different but you know you don't have to learn how to do surgery (laughs) in like 15 minutes you know what i mean it's it's completely different but yeah yeah the organ itself has a unique place in jazz history you talked about dr lonnie smith and there's Jimmy Smith, of course. Can you talk about how you view the organ within the history of jazz? Sure. And then what does the future hold for organ in modern music, whether you want to call it jazz or not? Where is the organ going? Um, uh, it's, I mean, the popularity of, of the organ you know, started, the, the popularity of the organ started around Jimmy Smith, who, who popularized it. There were cats before then, like Milk Buckner and... Um, God, that was a young lady's name. I can't remember her name, but she did Tico Tico. Uh, there was a whole history. Uh, and of course, there was theater organ and stuff like that be, before then, uh, where they used to use it in um, silent films and all of that stuff. So um, as it pertains to the jazz organ, that's usually my gauge for where it started, even though I love Bill Buckner, you know, the popularity of it really, when it just, you know, got, got into popular music. Um was starting around Jimmy Smith. Um, you know, he, it, it was, it was during a part, again, the party, we go back to the dance music. It was a party phase, you know, the boogaloo stuff was, was really popular around the fifties and sixties. Um, and that became a dance thing, the rent parties and the, you know, all of that stuff was a, you know, it fit right in, you know, and again, that, that whole concept of, uh, you know, the bass being absent and, you know, the left handed allowed for more control and a trio uh, was, is really tight. And it's, and that's usually why, you know, trios can usually flourish better than any other group because the closer you are, you know, in proximity to each other is, you know, you can't help, but, but, but love how tight a trio can be. And the camaraderie with three people is, is nuts. You know, I mean, some people, liken it to like the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost or something like that, or (laughs) being a magic number or whatever. But it's, you know, those three components are, you know, those are the the things that you need 
you know, the most, you know, you got the bass, you got the drums, you got, you know, some sort of chordal instrument. The guitar in this instance is, uh, you know, like a bonus, you know, you're getting kind of a two for one with the organ, you know, which I, sometimes I feel a little cheated, like I'm doing a little bit more work than everybody else, you know? <laughs> oh man, it's, you know, I'm, I'm playing the, the, the horn, what would be the horn lines. I'm, I'm comping, you know, I'm playing the bass line, you know, I'm using the volume pedal. It's like being a drummer, but on steroids, because instead of just playing, you know, uh, rhythms, I'm playing rhythms and notes on my top two hands. And then I've got um, uh, notes on my left and then a volume pedal on my right. So I'm dealing with a bunch and then there's the, you know, different uh, draw bars that I'm using. And then there's the Leslie and then there's presets and then there's reverb and then there's the, the percussion. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And cats don't really get that. Um, just kind of harkening back to what I was saying earlier about Dr. Lonnie, like he was, he was modern jazz organ. Uh, all the rest of the cats respectfully were playing, you know, the history of the organ, which was, you know, organ funk, you know, jazz organ, all of that stuff like that. Like I'm, I love you more today than yesterday, that type of idea. And then you had organ funk and stuff like that. And that was pretty much the extent of what jazz organ was. You know, you had your, your stars that emerged um, playing the instrument, but they didn't really push the um, the envelope as to what could be done. They might choose different tunes and little different feels, but it wasn't anything that you couldn't have heard from a from a Jimmy Smith or a, or a Jack McDuff or a Jimmy McGriff. Or those were two other uh, organ players that were were big influences. Um, and a lot of that stuff was light years ahead of what they were doing, especially Jack McDuff and, and uh, Jimmy McGriff. Those funk albums were way better than a lot of the funk stuff I hear. Um, but then you get to people like, you know, Soul Live and stuff like that. And uh, organ, um, Joshua Redman had an organ trio with Sam Yahill for a while. Um, and it made a small resurgence, but nobody really took it. Um, it just had different chord qualities. I don't think there was anything more groovy about it per se, but just it just sounded more modern because of the chord structures they were using. That's not to put them down in any capacity because they I listened to them as well. Um, but I think the foundation for that had already been laid, uh, honestly. And some of the stuff Jimmy Smith was playing in the 60s sounded like a lot of the stuff Soul I was playing. Um, and again, all due respect with, with that. But um, what, I, what I got from Dr. Lonnie is not only the connection to the foundation, but he was the the chord structures he was using uh, were a little bit um, futuristic in terms of composition. So the stuff sounded it didn't sound like anybody else's organ stuff. Again, the compositions, I mean, they were they were simple, but they were effective and they it, it wasn't uh, any time of any type of uh, exist, existential egregiousness. <laughs> it makes any sense. It was just it just it worked you know, his, his ability to master that was, was crazy. Just this sounds difficult, but it's not, you would transcribe some things and be like, wow, this isn't that hard, but it sounded like it, you know, and, and he just had this ability and some of the things he does, he did was hard, obviously. And, and, you know, you couldn't do it. And, but that made me love it even more. Simplicity is always the hardest thing to master. And when I would see him, how I knew I knew he was a master, but I didn't. But the thing that clicked for me, knowing he was a master, 
was when he played at the Chicago Jazz Fest. It was one of the last time I saw him at the Chicago Jazz Fest. And he played a ballad, Frame for the Blues, which is something he played all the time. And he played it so well, he got a standing ovation for 10 minutes <laughs> at a jazz festival on a ballad. And that's how you knew he was different from the rest. And that's not to say that yeah. any other jazz master didn't do that or have that effect, but I knew. Usually you get standing ovations after somebody does some really high energy things. Like, yeah. you know, at the end, they're just going, like, yeah. Everybody yeah. jumps up, woo. But to do something that's like, and then everybody just gets up and just goes freaking nuts for 10 minutes. I mean, I don't know any modern guys doing that. <laughs> you know, and that, 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 that shows you the mastery of this of that man and you know he was who he was on stage and off stage and he appreciated um both sides of the spectrum high energy stuff and the and the more chill stuff and how they work together and knowing those highs and lows and being able to master those things is basically what keeps you valid and relevant in this modern age of sensationalism um, without context, which I'll, I'll say that because a lot of this new stuff doesn't have context. And that's why sensationalism, um, you know, the, even in popular music, there aren't really ballads like that where people can dance close to and stuff like that. The element of dance outside of, you know, any sexual compa capacity is is, is kind of lost in this generation. It's not necessarily their fault, but it's people my age and older who are in charge of that type of stuff. So, you know, it's kind of a wonder that that's being absent from this culture. But just to bring it back, um, I believe myself, um, Dr. Lonnie, uh, there's one more group, and I can't remember the names, forgive me, but there's a guy on guitar um, that sounds like Jimi Hendrix, and they're kind of doing that um, in an organ capacity. Um, but in terms of pushing the envelope into into modern stuff and going in, into uh, organ future, I don't see a lot of cats with creative ingenuity doing it that are doing stuff that has not been done. Um, and that's what I try and do. I mean, my my model is based off Dr. Lonnie, but uh, I'm worried that there aren't enough cats, you know, to push it through. And that kind of lit a fire under my butt that we lost Dr. Because I was anticipating seeing him again. I wasn't expecting him. He'd been through some health challenges, but he persevered. So I was thinking that he was going to, you know, get through this thing too. Um, but if this pandemic has taught us anything that, you know, nothing is, you know, for certain. So with his passing, you know, I'm kind of getting off my butt. And I think while I'm down here visiting family, I'm going to start, uh, putting these other albums together. They've been done for years. I just haven't put them together. You didn't have the time or the money or both at the same time. So, uh, and it's, it's not that really cost effect, uh, cost effective because, uh, not cost effective. What am I trying to say? Uh, it doesn't cost that much to do them because I only do live albums. I don't have to go into the studio and spend thousands of dollars to make an album. I can mm -hmm. record everything live on my tablet. And then I have a mix it mono kind of like the old Bowtown stuff, you know, but yeah. from a little more technical perspective, but um, yeah, that's, that's my goal is to, is to keep this thing alive. I mean, I still, I, I kind of don't like playing the old organ stuff because it's been done by cats better than me. <laughs> so it kind of defeats the purpose to play that old stuff. 
uh, with respect to it, uh, obviously. But um, my job is to push it in a, in a direction that, that it hasn't been done in. And I think that these albums I'm going to do are, are going to help, you know, solidify that. Great. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. You've got your own groups. You've got the dot, but you're also a mm-hmm. sought after sideman. You've worked with Kahil Al-Zabar, Vincent Davis, Nicole Mitchell, Ernest Dawkins, Junius Paul. First of all, who am I missing from that list? And second of all, what does it take to be invited to play in those situations? Oh, uh, it's, it's a lot. But I mean, it, any any great person or any person that I play with, um, I choose to play. Whoever, whoever chooses to hire me, I choose to be involved with them. It's a two-way street. Because there's a lot of people who, who yeah, it's exactly a two-way street. Um, it's like Ella Fitzgerald is, you know, said, you know, she doesn't sing songs that she doesn't um, align herself with. So, you know, she wouldn't sing anything that she didn't that she didn't like or agree with vocally um, or with the story. You know, so I, I, I try to do that now um, with who I play with. So I have been doing it in the last couple of years is. It's not just about the gig, and I understand you have to play gigs sometimes for money, and you know you may need the bread. But who I play with is usually a, a direct reflection of who I am, um, or at least some part of who I am. So if I'm playing with the Avery R. Young, or I'm playing with Nicole Mitchell, or uh, Corey Wilkes, or Junior's Paul, Vincent Davis, um, the Alexander, whoever, whenever she calls, um, Sam Trump. It's a, it's a bunch of high profile cats in Chicago that I play with. And then, you know, I play with some, some heavy names too, but a lot of times, you know, the, the people that I choose to play with, even uh, Bobby Broom, just, we just did an album uh, together. Cahill, we just did an album with Cahill. Uh, Avery's coming out with an album as well. Um, uh, Junius obviously just came out with an album. Um, whoever I'm, I'm playing with, you know, these are, and I think that's one of the things with Chicago that sets us apart from everybody else is we can just go and have a drink and have some dinner and just talk and just be buddies outside of the music. And that camaraderie aids in how good the music is, the tightness of the music and how, you know, it's like breathing, you know, I can just look over, um, at them and, and I'll know what he's thinking. And, and oftentimes I don't even have to look over. Like eye contact is a, is a vital part of the music. But when you have a connection with the cats that you're with, oftentimes you don't have to look over. You just know, I mean, there's, sometimes you'll know that this part is just gonna be in groove. This is, we're just gonna vamp this part. And we didn't discuss it beforehand. We just, the music tells you, you know, and you know, you play with cats who have that understanding. Like we just, it's nothing you can explain. You just have to have that in you, you know? So when I get these calls from people, you know, I, I, I ask who's on the gig and sometimes I demand that certain other people be on the gig to make the gig happen. Because again, I'm not going to play gigs that are stressful, you know, with cats who don't understand, you know, the importance of musical capacities, unless I want to teach or feel like teaching on the gig because I'm, I'm becoming an elder statesman as we get older. And there are these young cats that are looking to us for guidance and being examples. So I have to keep that in mind when I'm playing now, which is something that I don't necessarily like, but it's a part of life. So I got to get used to it. And it's a pleasure and an honor to, you know, be to get older one and then to be 
be considered uh, as someone who is worthy of counsel. So, you know, that's kind of where I am with it, <laughs> with, you know, working with these cats and all of that stuff. So I'll, I'll be on stage with some young cats and with some older cats. And I want to play the way I want to play, but I have to remember that they don't necessarily understand what I'm going to do or why I'm going to do it. So I have to be careful of how I do it so that they get the correct context and they don't go to the next gig. Like, Oh man, I did it on Justin's gig or I did it on such Mm -hmm. and such gig and Justin was okay with it or such and such wasn't okay with it. And you know, then people come back to me like, Hey, did you play with, you know, they were terrible. They, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what, didn't you play? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, then you have to start fielding, you know, questions and, you know, your reputation is very important, you know, in how people regard you. So you have to be careful with that stuff in the music. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a pleasure to be chosen. You know, I mean, the requirements for that gig is pretty much everything I said is just context, understanding, you know, a camaraderie and understanding you know just to, you just have to have that that's that's part yeah. of the chicago way is we have to be cool you know a lot of times in other cities um they hire you based on your ability um and then they get off the gig and they just go their separate ways uh and a lot of them are killing players but you can tell that you know these guys aren't you know cool like these aren't brothers playing in chicago they they may pick people that may not be as great musically but they can develop a vibe, you know, based on their musicianship. And that is so much more important than like, I could give a shit about notes, excuse my language. I, you know, I don't care about any of that stuff, man. Is your, does your stuff have a vibe? You know, can I vibe to it? Am I going to get something from it? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I care about. You know, forget those notes, man. You know, play the, play the music. The point of the music is to make people feel things. Not whether or not you can play the fastest 16th notes or how loud you can play. You know, none of that stuff importance me. That's why the whole Dr. Lani thing was like, you're playing a ballad and you're making these people jump for joy. Like you just <laughs> gave them a million dollars or a car like your Oprah. Like, what is, yeah. how did you do this? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's all of that. And those are the people that I play with. We can, we can do all of that, you know? Well, Justin Diller, thank you so much for being on the Showbiz Roundup today, for taking the time to be here. I really appreciate it. And we're really looking forward to having you in Madison with your trio at the North Street Cabaret coming up in October. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for another episode of the Showbiz Roundup. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Blue Stem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org. And you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletickbuzz.com. Catch you later.